Welcome to Sound Prints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prints for the week of June 23, 2019. We have an article first. It's called VR Goggles Help Legally Blind Machinists Have 2020 Vision. And it is from www.wpxi.com. Marshfield, Wisconsin. A legally blind college grad is starting to make a name for herself in the manufacturing world. Tia Burtz is a recent graduate of North Central Technical College, and she interned at Hustrider Industries in Marshfield. Tia is a rock star in the 3D printing world. Ken Hustrider, president of Hustrider Industries, told WSAW. Tia is somebody that we've known for a few years and have seen her develop her interest into manufacturing and 3D printing. In a field where precise measurements down to the thousandths of an inch are key, Burtz works as a quality control technician despite the fact that she is legally blind. We didn't really know how to fit her into the manufacturing facility with her limited sight, said Hustrider. I was diagnosed with optic nerve hypoplasia, said Burtz. She can only see clearly a couple of inches in front of her, but she's always visualized things in the 3D world. At a tech show in Chicago, Burtz stumbled across a booth with a virtual reality headset. I was in this virtual environment, and I got this part assembled, and the person running the demo was just blown away, said Burtz. With the help of some government grants, Burtz was fitted with VR glasses with a tiny camera on them that gives her 20-20 vision. We got to see Tia for the first time reading something on the wall across the room, said Hustrider. Burtz might be the first to use virtual reality in the world of manufacturing, but she doesn't want to be the only one. Once I figured out what I should do, I was just blown away, surprised and really excited, said Burtz. I want to be an advocate for visually impaired people and tell them that manufacturing is a possibility for them to go into with the right technology. Burtz is excited about what she'll be able to do now at Hustrider Industries, like inspections and running a full-blown machining center. A new enhanced ID is now available in most states in the country. Kentucky will begin issuing the card on June 28 in Frankfort, Louisville and Jefferson County, plan to begin issuing the card around October of this year. There are many questions regarding this new ID, and on June 12, Melissa Mershon from the Jefferson County Court Clerk's Office visited the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Roundabout to share information and answer questions about these new cards, who needs them, requirements for obtaining them, costs, and much more. Melissa lives in Crescent Hill, and many years ago, she served as our elected official on the Louisville Board of Aldermen and, as such, visited with us at the Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention on several occasions. Because information about these IDs will be of interest, regardless of where you live, we are bringing you her comments on page 2. Thanks to Adam Rushevel for editing this segment for Soundprints. And on page 3 is the Soundprints calendar. Page two. Well, our speaker is here. Melissa Rashan is going to speak with us about 
IDs and how how what changes are going to happen in the ID cards and what we need to know about them. I'd like to welcome you, Melissa. Wonderful. Thank you, Deb. Uh, Deb, uh, I asked Deb where the meeting was and she told me and she said you won't have any problem finding it because you all make a lot of noise. <laughs> and that is true. So I work for David Nicholson and David Nicholson, his title, it's a long title, he is the Jefferson County Office of the Circuit Court Clerk. Isn't that a long name? Well, here in Jefferson County, we elect two elected officials countywide that have the term clerk in their name. One is the county clerk, and the person who currently holds that office is Bobby Hostclaw. She was here last month. She was here last month? Oh, that's great. Well, Bobby helps, helps you get the license tag that goes on the back of your car. Okay, that's one of the things she does, and she also runs our elections. The office of the circuit court clerk, where I work, that office is currently held by David Nicholson, he issues driver's license that go in your wallets and IDs. So that's confusing. Can you imagine how many calls we take every day of people wanting to know about card tags that go on the back of your car, and we have to send them over to Bobby's office. Now, I do want to tell you before we start talking about IDs, the other things that the Office of the Circuit Court Clerk does, they run all of the courts here in Jefferson County. We have 40 courts. They are open seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And the number one reason they are always open is a sad reason, and that's usually domestic violence intake. So the court has to be open. Um, we collect um, millions of dollars in fees a year. Uh, we process all of the court and, and obtain, uh, retain all of the court records. And about 156,000 new cases are filed in our court system every year. So there is a big function of that office that just has to do with the courts. And he also runs the Driver's License Bureau, and that's where we get our IDs. And in, in Jefferson County, we have six locations. Do most of you all go to the Bowman Field location? Or the downtown one? Okay, I'm just wondering which one is close for you. Now, and for most of you, have you all heard about this new real ID coming? Yes. Let's see a show of hands if you've heard of that. Oh, everybody has, so you all know it's coming. So there are gonna be a lot of changes. And I'm going to talk to you about the big changes that are coming down the pike. Now, will most of you all be applying just for the ID, or there are some people here who will need a driver's license? So everyone's looking for the ID. Okay, okay. So we're going to talk about what are those huge changes that are coming with this new process. Well, in the past, when you walked into Bowman Field, you walked up to the counter. They asked you, do you need an ID? You said yes. You gave them, uh, they took your photo, you walked to the end of the counter, you paid, you waited a few minutes, and they gave you an ID and you walked out. It was that simple, right? That simple. Okay, so now let's talk about how it's going to change a little. Now when you walk into our Driver's License Bureau, you're going to walk up and there's a smart pad. And so for those of you who have someone with you that can help you operate that pad, great. 
Otherwise, we have wonderful deputy clerks that will help you operate that SmartPad. The first thing that the clerk is going to ask you is, do you want a standard ID or do you want the travel ID? Isn't that a little confusing? Yes. So how many people here uh, get on an airplane and travel domestically? Okay, we have a lot of people here who travel domestically. How many people here want to or need to get onto a military base? Okay, we have people who want to do that. How many people here would like to get into a federal government building? We have people who need to do that. Oh, let me ask you, on the federal government building, is it to do something besides go to an office like Social Security or whatever? Okay, so we have people who want to do that. So, if you want to travel domestically, go to a military base, go to a federal institution. You got invited to the White House, woohoo! Or you're gonna to go to the Smithsonian, or you're just gonna go into a federal office building. You're going to need the real ID. So if, when you could, the first thing the clerk is gonna ask you is do you want a standard ID? That just means you just will be able to go to the bank and maybe they'll say you're old enough to buy alcoholic beverages with that. <laughs> Or they're going to ask you if you want the voluntary real ID, okay? So you're going to have a choice of two, whereas in the past you only had one. So that's the first change. Since most of you raised your hand that you really want that new real ID, here are the changes that come with that. The first is, it will no longer be a four-year ID, you're going to get to be able to have it for eight years. So you don't have to go back as many times. Okay, with an extended period, the price is going to go up, right? Because it's going to be twice as much. Okay, right. The next big change that will take place is, it, because this is going to have a lot of added security features, you're going to have to prove to me that you really are Deb Deathridge. I don't care who you say you are, you're gonna to have to prove it, okay? So even though she's back there in her red, white, and blue spangling t-shirt getting ready for the Crescent Hill 4th of July festival, you're gonna to have to prove it's you. And here's how you're gonna to have to prove it. You're gonna to have to come in with three buckets of information. Yeah, you all think you were laughing. I hope you're laughing when you go through it. <laughs> okay, the first bucket of information will be either a passport or a certified birth certificate. Now, if you have a birth certificate that has little baby feet and little rabbits and, and flowers all over it, those are the cute little certificates that came from the hospital. They are not your certified birth certificate. So if you do not have a copy of your certified birth certificate, you can get that from Vital Statistics in the state where you were born, okay? The second bucket of information you're gonna need is your social security card unlaminated. Now Adam, guys, maybe you all don't laminate things to put it in your wallet, but us women, we love things laminated in our wallet because we don't like them to get dog-eared or anything. We will not be able to use a laminated social security card when you come in for security reasons. So if you did what I did and laminated it, 
you will have to request a replacement card from Social Security. It is free. Uh, it usually will come in the mail to you within 10 to 21 days. And if you don't have that, you can also bring in a W-2 form. That's your second bucket of information. The third bucket of information is we need to know that you really live where you're telling us you live. So you have to bring in two pieces of mail, mailed to you, and that those pieces of mail need to be at least 60 days old. They can't be older than that. Now ladies here, if you all have gotten married or changed your names, we have an additional hoop for you to go through. If your social security card says Sally Sue Smith and you got married to Mr. Jones, you're gonna have to bring in your marriage certificate. If it says Sally Sue Jones and you really want your ID to be in your maiden name Smith, you're gonna have to bring in your divorce certificate or your name change certificate. So all of your ID pieces are gonna have to match. The reason why we're out talking to groups and we're so grateful that you've asked us to come here is this is a lot of documents to get together and to get prepared just to get your ID. It's a lot of work. Now let me tell you what happens after you've gotten all of those documents. What's going to happen when you go to get your ID? You're going to walk up to the counter. They're going to ask you, do you want a standard ID or do you want the new real ID? If, they, if you say, I want the new real ID, you're going to hand all of those documents over. They're going to be scanned into a computer. The clerk is going to hand you back your documents. No one is going to keep them. You're going to pay the fee for your ID. And then you know what's going to happen? You are, oh, they're going to take your old ID that expires and they're going to punch a hole in it. They're going to give you a receipt. And that's going to be your ID for 30 days because you're going to walk out of our license bureau without a new ID. Kind of scary, huh? It's going to come in the mail to you. It will come in the mail 10 business days after you apply. So those are a lot of changes. Number one, let's recap them. You're going to be offered a choice of two, the standard or the real ID. Second, you're going to have to bring in a lot of documentation to tell us who you are. Third, it will have an extended shelf life, go from four years to eight years. Four, with that extended shelf life, you're going to have to pay double the price uh, than a four-year uh, ID. And five, for all of the women here, like everything in life, we have to go through more hoops than the guys. We'll have to bring in those papers that, if our names are different, will say who we are. Now that I've confused you with all, oh, and, and, and six, you will not walk out with your license, your ID. You will wait and it will come in the mail. So now that I've confused you with all this information, who has some questions? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm coming right here to the guy in the blue, blue cap. Okay. okay, is this the same for people like who don't have a Kentucky ID? I'm from Tennessee and I need to get a new one from Kentucky. I just moved here. Oh, you, so he just moved here and he has one from Kentucky. So you're... 
Kentucky. You have a Tennessee one, but you're going to get one in Kentucky. Right. So when you go to get yours in Kentucky, so these procedures, oh, let me start. Let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. I left a key piece out. Why in the world are we doing this? Well, I'll tell you why. After 9-11, there was a commission that was formed, and the commission wanted to look at what could we do to keep everyone a little bit more secure and to make sure that people say who they really are. And so the commission passed, sent to Congress, and, and the Real ID Act was passed. 41 states have already come in compliance with the Real ID Act. Kentucky will come into compliance this year. So we're in the process. So when you go in with your Tennessee information, you will have to prove your address here in Kentucky and bring that information in. All right, I'm going to walk around and I'm going to bring the microphone to you. Yes, sir, I've got one right here. What about the, like, the mail comes in my name? What about my wife? Okay, so, when, uh, so the mail comes in Mr. Smith's name, and Mrs. Smith, it, it doesn't come in her name, so she needs to bring the marriage certificate, and that will be fine. Uh, yes, going into federal, state institutions, such as uh, maybe airports and stuff, will these IDs have a specialized barcode on them that they can scan? When, when you get your new ID, it will have a barcode in that that will have every photo that's ever been taken of you when you've gotten your ID. Big Brother is watching. It will have all of the information. So this is, uh, it, this is our attempt to have everyone have as safe as an ID to keep us all safe as citizens. Hold on, I'm coming around, Deb. One moment. Well, let me get this guy and I'll come around to you, Deb. Okay, uh, you said the two pieces of mail. Uh, do they have to be specific things like uh, electric bill or can they be general? Or can you give me more information? Okay, so uh, the federal government doesn't want you to bring in jump mail that says occupant. Okay? So they wanted to say Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Smith or whoever that is. So it could be your rent, it could be your mortgage, it could be your utility bill, it could be your cell phone bill, it could be any, any kind of information like that. Okay? Uh, um, let's just say if you get a piece of mail and it has yours and your wife's name on it, for example, um, would each person be able to use that as one piece of mail per ID? Absolutely, because it has your name on it, you can use it. If it has your wife's name on it, she can use it. Good questions. All right, hold on. I'm coming around so that everyone can hear. I'm coming to you, Miss Deb. When will these be available and when do you have to have them by? I cannot believe it took you all that long to answer that question. Because the, so uh, we are, uh, our office is called the processor of these IDs, we're not called the issuer. Because they are being issued by the State Department of Transportation. The state DOT told you, you're going to get it in January. Whoops. Then they said, you're going to get it in March. Whoops. Then they said, you're going to get it in April. Whoops. So do you know when the DOT is telling you we're going to get it? They're not. <laughs> They're not saying anymore. 
Um, we hear a lot of rumors. I don't want to tell you it's going to happen, you know, the beginning of August or the end of July. Um, it could be that early. It could be later. But as of today, as long as your ID is not expired, you can travel on that ID until October of 2020. So Kentucky has until October of 2020 to get its act together and come in compliance. Now we hope that's going to be soon, but I can't, I can't give you an exact date. Hold on one minute, I'm coming around with mics. Yes, sir. Since um, Tennessee has the same, had, had to show my um, birth certificate to them, like you said, we have to do here, can they just look at my Tennessee ID and that way I don't have to bring it? Okay, this is, I love this. I don't know the answer to that question. So I tell you what, I will get the answer to this question and I will get the answer back to Deb and then Deb can get it to you. Do you two know each other? Can you get it to him? Okay, all right. And so you, you already have the real ID. Okay, so he already has the real ID. He has to come in compliance in Kentucky. And I have a feeling you're not gonna have to do all that again, but I don't wanna say that because I'd rather be 100% sure. So let me get that answer. I'll get it to Deb and Deb will get it to you. I see you, Deb. What happens if your ID that you have now is about to expire? The new IDs come out, but your old ID hasn't expired. Do you have to get the real thing? Okay, so imagine this. We don't know what date it's going to come, and everyone's, everyone's IDs expire in a different month. So what the government has done is they've set up a provision that, let's say you go in this month and you get the old, the old standard ID, and then next month the new one comes out. Well, what happens is you go back in and you can ask for a replacement and that's $15, so you won't have to pay the whole fee, you're gonna pay a bridge fee. But before I continue, uh, before I take another question, I wanna talk to you, let's just say, and I wanna let you all know that as soon as we know that these are gonna be available in Jefferson County, I'm gonna send an email to Deb, and then Deb can share it with your group, okay? So you'll be in the know right away. As soon as I know, we're gonna get that information to Deb so she can share it with you. Now, unless, let's just say it's going to, let's say it's going to start August 1st. If your ID expires in December, do not rush into the driver's license to renew yours in August. Because you know what? It's going to be a colossal mess. You know, let everyone in August go through the pain of getting it all set up and worked out. So don't rush in as soon as we launch it. Be patient and go three months later if you don't expire. Okay? All right. Did you, did you have your hand up? This is for a friend of mine who just obtained citizenship in the United States. And uh, her birth certificate will show both Canadian and British citizenship. Does she also have to bring a citizenship, uh, whatever documentation of that? Yes, she does, because unless you are a US citizen, you cannot get your ID, okay? I'm coming around the table, you're next. Okay, what if your former state ID and your birth certificate show you under one first name, but all your personal mail shows you under a different first name. 
Now, you all may think that that's a silly question, but it's not. And here's the reason why. In the past, in Kentucky, my name happens to be Melissa Ann. Because if you're Catholic and you were in trouble, your mother called you by both names. <laughs> well, I never went by Ann, but if I walked into the driver's license and said, I want my driver's license to say Ann Mershon versus Melissa Mershon, they let you do it. They let you do it. So we are going to have some records that we are going to have to clean up in order to come in compliance with the federal act. So you will have to bring in all the records that clearly state what your formal name is. Not your given name, you know, I can't say my name's Missy. You know, I have to bring in the records that say my name is Melissa. Oh, see, what, it, what, it is, what it is is, my actual legal name is Susan Ellen, but I go by Sue Ellen. All my bills are in Sue Ellen. All my documents that are not like Social Security or birth certificates are Sue Ellen. Mm -hmm. Deb, I'm not coming back here anymore. <laughs> okay, sec second question, I don't know, but I will get that answer for you and I will get it to Deb, okay? I think you may have to go through a formal name change. Uh, to do that. And that's not funny. It costs $5, but I think you're going to have to do that. Okay, hold one minute. I'm going around the table. Yes, okay. What if you, because last week I had somebody look at my ID and somebody as far as uh, last year, do, do, I, do I have to go back in and yeah. uh, your ID expired last year? Where's the police? Let's lock this lady up right now. <laughs> well, you know. If you wanted to, I, I can't tell you that you should wait a month because it may come out in a month. But if you want to go to a bank and use that anytime soon, I'm not sure they'll accept it while it's... Yeah. Yeah. So what you, you may want to do is, if, if you want to... How, how long ago did it expire? I don't know. Oh my God, let's really lock her up. <laughs> so if you've been living this dangerously for this long, you, you might want to well, just see if, if news comes out any time in the next month about when they're going to launch this, and then you can do a one-shot. One now, let me tell you something about um, you want, when, if you let your card expire, what will happen is you're going to have to bring in all of those documents in again. So once you get the new real ID, don't let your ID expire because then you're going to have to go through all of that ID paper again. So just keep, an, keep that in mind. Uh, you don't want to do that. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm coming around. Uh, yes, uh, all my uh, bill statements are paperless, so uh, would it be okay to print out a copy from an online statement? Okay, sir, you and I are in the same boat. I do the same thing. I get everything paperless, and guess what? Today, the government will not take a printed online bill. So when my, when my license comes up, I'm going to have to call LGE and say, this month, will you please send me a paper bill? I'm going to have to call the water company or somebody and say, this month, will you send me a paper bill in the mail? So you and I have a problem, and we're going to have to jump through an additional hoop just because we like to be smart and, 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 and be green. They're going to penalize us because we're green. 
So you're going to have to you're going to have to request. And you know what? I think it's probably a pretty crazy rule. I think they probably will change it, but as of right now, they are not. Okay, hold on. I'm coming around. Yes, ma'am. Then what is the total price of this new IDs? The total price. Hold one minute. I got to get a cheat sheet and look. Okay, so the personal ID. If you want to get the standard one, meaning you're not going to travel, is $23. If you want to get the voluntary travel ID that will put you on an airplane and get you in a federal building, it's $28. For four years. That's not bad. Eight years, sorry. <laughs> yeah, all right, hold one minute. And uh, also, if, like my birth certificate, if it has one name, do I have to um, bring my adoption paper because I have a different last name? Yes, you will. All your all your IDs have to all coincide. Yes. Yeah. Did I see you? Uh, yes, you sure did. Now here's the problem with my. Uh, some reason years ago it got printed out as Charlie, and I always thought my real name was Charles. On all of my bills, all of my Social Security and everything is Charles. But that ID you see it yourself, it says Charlie. I found my original birth certificate from the hospital, and it says Charlie, but there was a conflict between my mother and my grandmother. She wanted to name me Charlie. My mother wanted to name me Charles. And so with my cell phone company, I got Sprint, and they, when I went to have service turn on, they said, can I see your ID? So guess what? They put my bill in Charlie. So what do I do about that? Deb, I know you have my phone number and email. Will you please lose it? <laughs> No, these are, these are very good questions. So you will have a birth certificate that says Charles, right? Uh, the one, the birth certificate from the hospital says the hospital Charlie, okay, which is no good, informal, but the one from Frankfurt did say Charles. Then you're okay. Yeah, then you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm coming around to you, Miss Nikki Mouse. Hold on. Okay, I have a couple questions. I don't live here in Louisville, but um, I'm fixing to have my name changed back to my maiden name. My card has not expired, so I'll have to get another card. So when I go to get the real card for the travel, do I have to have, like, my copy of my divorce decree? Yes, when, when you, uh, see, if you get a divorce decree, it doesn't automatically change your name, okay? Right. So if you officially go through the name change process, they're going to give you an official document, and you want to hold on to that, because if you have to get a copy, you'll have to come to the courthouse and pay $5. So as you go through the process and change your name, make sure that you keep your divorce papers and make sure you keep your name change papers because you will need them when you go to renew and get a new trap of voluntary ID. Okay? All right, coming to the front table. Hold on. Well, will I be able to use this uh, Social Security card here, or is that that is Social Security card? That's right? a good one. It's not uh, laminated. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure what you. I wasn't sure what you meant by laminated or. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, and uh, also, if I get just a standard ID, will I be able to go to Social Security office with it or no? Yes. I uh, will. Into so, a federal building. So. Um, 
this new real ID will allow you to do business with the federal government. They can't bar you from doing business with the federal government with your standard ID. But if you wanted to go visit the White House, do a White House tour, or go visit a, business, a, a building in Washington that's not business, then you'd have to have the voluntary ID. So if you just want to go to Social Security to do your normal business, you can get the standard ID and not have to go through all these hoops. Okay, hold on, I'm coming to this table over here. Hi, um, well I work at the Census Bureau, so, and I have a, an ID already, a federal, I mean a badge, but so I do have to get the, the real ID to go work there now. Okay, so she works in a federal building, and if you do not want to uh, get on an airplane and go visit somebody, and you don't want to uh, go to Washington and see Mr. Trump in the White House, because I know you're going to get a personal invitation, then you can get a standard ID. You don't need to have the real ID. Okay? Okay. Yeah, but for yeah. five dollars. Yeah, for for five more dollars, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hold hold on one second. I'm coming to you, sir. So my ID is going to expire on Ju on July the 14th. Uh, I'll pull it out here in a second, but I think that's when it is. So and I'm planning on traveling. So I have to go get a new ID this month. No. No. It's good till July 13th. You're gonna be home July 12th. Deb, this is an interesting group. They know what each when each other's traveling. <laughs> That's we're traveling together. Okay, so hold on. I'm going to pull, pull it out of your wallet because I can't. But Melissa. Okay, so his his ID expires seven thirteen nineteen. So you are you are actually good to travel with that while it's in force. Okay. So when are you going to return from your flight? Twelve. You're, you're in good shape. <laughs> and, and you have 30 days to renew that. So if you hear that the real ID is coming out at the end of July or the 1st of August, you could wait and get the real ID in one swoop as opposed to renewing what you have and then having to go back later to get the real ID. Okay, you were talking about the, the travel IDs. Would you have to have those to get in museums also? If you want to get into a federal museum like the Smithsonian, you're going to have to have... Uh, I hope that I haven't confused you when I said the travel ID or the real ID. In every state in the Union, it is called the real ID. In Kentucky, we call it the travel ID because we like to be different. When I say travel ID, it is the same thing as the real ID. So if you want to get into a Smithsonian or federal museum, you are going to need the real ID. Okay, I'm coming to the front table. What about uh, national parks? As I said, Deb, please leave my phone number. And <laughs> It is, it is not on the list, but you know, I would, this is, this is just me. This is the first time in the history of our country that, that every state will have the exact same information collected from citizens on an ID card. Do you think this is the first time we're going to do it? We're going to keep doing it 
And as soon as we do it, you know someone's going to learn how to hack into it, and we're going to have to come up with a new set of security to do it. So I think that it will probably be used and required for more things as we move on. So that's why for me, I'm going to go get the real ID off the get-go. I'm not going to just fool around with the standard. I'm going to go and get the real ID. Hold one minute. I'm coming around to you. I got an ID in March or something, I think. I don't know, sometime this year. And they told me to go ahead and get it because it was coming out soon. The other one was coming out soon. But I got it. So when I get it, if I got a replacement ID, or I don't even know, uh, do I have to bring all the documentation? So I think from our conversation, um, you're not going to travel. You're not going to get up. Oh, you are. So you're going to want the real ID. So let's just say that August 1, they're going to issue it in Kentucky and in, in Jefferson County. You already have one that's valid. So wait a month or three and then take all of that information that I talked about in and go and update the ID that you have and you'll pay a $15 bridge fee. Renew this car. Well, you know, the reason why we're out talking to everyone is that the documentation you're going to need to get a real ID, it's a lot of information and it's going to take us time to assemble it. So you, if you do not know where your social security card is, okay, is it laminated or unlaminated? If it's not in plastic, then that, you need that. That's one of the three buckets that you need, okay? No, yeah, you can use it. That's exactly what you need. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, and you know, the, the great thing about belonging to a group like you all do, not everyone absorbs all the information at one time, and so that way you all can ask each other. And if there's a question that you all are all doubtful on, Deb can email me and I'll get the answer back to you all, okay? So, okay, hold on, I see Adam has his hand up. One second. I'm surprised you haven't said anything about fingerprints and why haven't they used some form of that as ID? Well, as of, as you know, 41 states have gone through this process and fingerprints were not in the act from Congress. So it could be in the future, but it is not right now. Okay, hold on, Deb, I'm coming to you. I have two questions. Um, have they, has it been proven that these IDs are pretty safe? Because I don't know, I didn't know if these IDs actually have your social security you know, number on them and they say that you say that they mail them to you so I didn't know if they had any problems with them getting lost in the mail and my second question is where downtown I know I've been there before do you go to get your ID okay it uh, the, the location downtown is the old jail as we like to say it's at fifth and Liberty you know like we say everything the old Sears the old jail that's how we say it uh, Deb wanted to know, will our new ID have our social security number on it? The answer is no. Your current one does not have it on, and neither will your future. Uh, information will be embedded in a security strip on that card, and 41 states have already done this, and if someone had breached the system from those 41 states, it would be national news, and we would have heard about it. So all of the other states have been guinea pigs before us, and currently the system is pretty secure. So we can be confident about that. Hold on one minute, Deb. Yeah. Would you please give your email to 
to the group so that if I'm not available for some reason, Okay, remember I said like four times you're going to lose my phone number and email, but here it is. It's my first name, last name, so it's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-M-E-R-S-H-O-N at K-Y-Courts, C-O-U-R-T-S dot net. Melissa Marchand at kwhitecourts.net. You want to know my phone number at work? Hold on, I don't call myself. One second, let me let me see if I have it in my phone. <laughs> well, let's see. No, it's not on here. Let's see. <laughs> I got it on my little piece. Okay, it's 502-595-3054. And that's the administrative office phone number, so you'll have to ask for me and they'll transfer. But that's 502-595-3055. The, the card itself, will the, if it's a magnetic strip, will it be prone to become demagnetized, particularly if it's too near a cell phone? Or if it's a chip, does that change the situation? Okay, it's not a chip, but it's embedded information. It kind of, have you ever seen, uh, well, let's see, they hold a $20 bill up to a light when they go to the store because there's like a little strip in a $20 bill. It's on there, but you don't know it. How likely is it to demagnetize? It, there, it will not. Okay. okay. Unlike credit cards. Right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and it, it will be the exact same size as your current license. And I'm not sure, how many people in here are organ donors? Do we have any organ donors? Yay, thank you so much. You know, the Kentucky Clerks Association has taken on this cause, and every time you come in to ask for a new ID, they ask you if you want to be an organ donor or if you want to give a dollar for Trust for Life. Now, a friend of mine needs a kidney, and we were told that there is a waiting list of 100,000 people currently. 100,000 people. So, no, uh, in the United States. So you go on a universal donor list, okay? So uh, when you go to get your new real ID, they're going to ask you if you'd like to donate to Trust for Life, and they're going to ask you if you want to be an organ donor, just like they have in the past. Do I have any military people here? Uh, if you were a former military person and you have the military seal on your driver's license, you will also have it on your new real ID. Okay? Other questions? Okay, well, Deb, I have been teasing you about never coming back and losing my number, but I really, really appreciate that you all had such great questions. And the other thing I'm here to ask you all is, you all are influence leaders. You all are in this group. You share information with each other. You all probably have a church group, a social group, a neighborhood group, or whatever group. You have more people that you connect with other than this group. And what you could do is to share the information you've learned today. Because when we go in to get our new voluntary ID, it's going to be confusing. And you know when people have to deal with the government, sometimes they're a little agitated. Because sometimes government doesn't do everything the best. 
So the more that you can help spread the word so that people are prepared when they come, then they won't be agitated or upset that they didn't have all of the correct documentation. And you know, if, if you forgot something and you wanted to, oh, is this what I need or is this what I need? You can always call our office. Uh, you can always call Drive Kentucky. Uh, they have all of it. That's our state office. They have all of the information too and can answer. And they also have a TTY system if that's helpful. Any other questions? Well, thank you all so much for having us here. Thank you for listening to this information and please share it with others. APH's Nearby Explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Send to Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille, to create a quick Braille file instantly. Download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org lt. Page 3, the Sound Prince Calendar. June 25, ACB Next Generation Nationwide Organizational Development Committee Conference Call, 8 p.m. by phone. Call 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. For more questions, contact Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. June 26, Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group Meeting. From noon to 2 p.m., the program is Rhonda Snow, American Red Cross Wheels, will provide an update on transportation services at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call 859 259 1834 June 27 Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting 1:30 to 3:30 p.m. This is a great activity for anyone who has begun experiencing vision loss or anyone who has had low vision for several years at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville For more information call 502-895-4598 June 28 is the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Roundabout with education and technology and other individualized activities from 3.30 to 5 p.m. The tip sheet, 5 to 5.30. Page turners, 5.30 to 6. Dinner, $6 per person from 6 to 7. KCB Next Generation activity, games and crafts from 7 until 9.30. United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. June 30, BCB will have a June fundraiser. 
11 a.m. to 9 p.m. at Moe's Southwest Grill, 1975 Harrodsburg Road in Lexington. Dine in or carry out. Mention your order goes to BCB Fundraiser and 25% of the proceeds will be donated to the Bluegrass Council. June 30, BCB Community Outing, 5.30 to 7 p.m. at Moe's Southwest Grill. 1975 Harrodsburg Road in Lexington. Susan will have wheels passes. Bring your family and friends and support BCB. RSVP appreciated by calling 859-259-1834. Looking ahead to July, note, please check the July calendar carefully as several events will not meet in July. On July 1, the Savvy Program Committee will meet at 7 p.m. Central at 669-900-6833, intercode 3572-595-193. On July 2, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. Individuals statewide experiencing vision loss are encouraged to ask questions, share tips, and offer comments. Call 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. July 5-12, through 12, the 58th Annual ACB Conference and Convention in Rochester, New York. For more information, contact www acb.org and follow the convention links. On July 9, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. The speaker will be from the Davies County Public Library and they will share information about their services at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. On July 9, Savvy will hold its board meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time at 669-900-6833, intercode 3572-595-193. On July 10, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its monthly meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. For more information about the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. July 13, is Braille for the Sighted, from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. Do you ever stare at those dots in an elevator and wonder how they can possibly mean words? In two hours, we can have you reading simple Braille and writing Braille on a slate and stylus, or a Braille writer. The event is free, but registration is required. Best for adults and children, six and up at the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville. For more information, call 502-899-2213. On July 14, ACB Families will hold its 
meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. On July 15, the KCB Board will meet at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On July 17, the KCB PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Call 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On July 19, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its roundabout, including education and technology, from 3.30 to 5. Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana welcomes Sarah Bevan to share pet health and pet safety tips from 5 to 6 p.m. Dinner, $6 per person at 6 p.m. Bargain Table and bingo, $2 per person from 7 to 9.30 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. July 21, KSB Alumni Board Meeting, 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. July 22, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana membership call, 7 p.m. by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. July 22 is the Savvy Budget Committee meeting at 8 p.m. Central Time at 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. July 23 is the ACB Next Generation Nationwide Organizational Development Committee Conference Call. At 8 p.m. Eastern Time, call 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. July 24 is the Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group Meeting. Noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call 859-259-1834. July 25 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting. From 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. July 26 and 27 is the Kentucky School for the Blind 74th Annual Alumni Conference and Reunion at the Ramada Inn, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. For more information and make sure you receive a registration packet, contact Carla Rushevel at 502-897-1472. July 27 is the Bards and Storytellers Musical Treasures from 1 to 3 p.m. The holdings of APH's Miguel Library include many rare and historic recordings by musicians who were blind or visually impaired, spanning the decades of the early 1900s to the present day. Our guest presenter, Justin Gardner, has curated the collection 
and takes us on a musical tour, stopping for stories about and songs by such standouts as Blind Tom, Moondog, Doc Watson, and Stevie Wonder. The event is free, but registration is required. Best for adults and older children. At the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville. Call 502-899-2213 for more information. July 27 is the ACB Next Generation Saturday Night Live Hangout. 8 p.m. by phone. 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595-193. July 28 is the ACB Families Peer Support Group Meeting. 9 p.m. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.